This episode of Standard Orbit is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your tablet, smartphone, and desktop. Support the show and get a free audiobook of your choice by visiting audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Follow Standard Orbit, Mr. Chekhov, and take us in. Hi, sir. Is the word of Landru. Joy to you, friends, and thanks for joining us here on Standard Orbit, Trek FM's dedicated show to the original series. My name is Drew, or Landru, and this is my co-host Mike from Commentary Trek Stars. Hello. Hey, Mike. How's how's things? Uh, they're going okay. Um, missed Back to the Future night at, at the White Sox game, which which really bummed me out because it got rained out. And then but I you sent work. me a picture of the mascot. Right, the mascot dressed as Doc Brown. Or I, I guess he, yeah, because he, he had the white hair, yeah, yeah, and he's got his his uh, his suit on, his decontamination suit or whatever it is, or whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, and and he's got like the the glasses flipped up and everything, and it's like, how could I miss that? Apparently there was I, a I store know. there too, but oh, and they were gonna have fireworks set to the music from Back to the Future. Wow, but it, I'd go to that. Yeah, but it poured rain. And then the next day, they were just like, a double header. oh, here, um, here's some Back to the Future stuff, here's a DeLorean. It's like, man, of all the days, so, of all the days. So my, my, my big question is, what is that mascot? Oh, that's Southpaw. He's the best. That's, okay. He was at my wedding. He's not a sock. Well, no, but, you know, I mean, what, how how you could to do a sock as a mascot? <laughs> well, I mean, like, like. Uh, like a toboggan, like a pullover ski mask kind of thing. You could have a guy in a white one. That's. I actually emailed Southpaw once with the theory <laughs> that he was one of the aliens which crash landed at Roswell, and he sent me a message back saying, "I hope not." I'm like, "What does that even mean?" <laughs> you know. But whatever, he's the best. Okay. Yeah. That was our baseball discussion of the week. Yeah. But uh, this week, we're not going to talk about sports. We're going to talk about comic books. Yeah. It's the same same thing. Yeah. Not not only comic books. Like, if comic books are, like, a nerd genre, the subgenre would be movie comic books. And the sub-subgenre of that, the most nerdiness, would be the Star Trek. Actually, the most nerdy would be that Star Trek uh, Green Lantern crossover. But this is just the Star Trek ongoing J.J. verse comic. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty nerdy. Yeah. But this episode, we're going to talk about the next comic uh, in in the list. Issue 13, which doesn't have a proper title, but at least no title page. It does. It's uh, Hendorf. It's called Hendorf? Yeah. Excellent. Well, the comic's called Hendorf, and it's uh, it takes place during the Apple. So we figured we'd kind of compare, really it's only the teaser of the apple and, and some other bits of it, compare the apple with what I'll admit is my favorite Star Trek ongoing comic that I've read. Yeah, it's pretty cool because in a lot of ways, you know, I, I, I think this is what they sort of should be doing with these comics, especially when they do sort of adaptations of episodes and it's like, 
we'll do something weird and cool and change one thing or whatever. But, you know, in this case, they're saying like, okay, well, we are going to change some stuff. But also, the thing that we're changing most is the perspective. And it really does become sort of like uh, a lower decks version of the Apple. I, I think it, it's more like, because it's the, the main story told from an alternate view, it's more like those Tales From books, those Star Wars Tales From the Mos Eisley Cantina and stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that too. So yeah. it's like Tales From Cupcake. Yeah, yeah, something like that. And um, yeah, so I mean, it's 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 cool that that we're getting basically a new story, but you know, it's tied to this other one. It's a very comic book thing to do, actually. You know, yeah. the the whole issue is actually like devoted to the differences, yeah. as opposed to like, well, this is the same, and this is the same, and this is the same. But oh, Landry's a computer from mm -hmm. a Federation computer. Getting started, we have Hendorf, aka Cupcake from Star Trek 2009, and he's also in Into Darkness, and then he disappears, so that we'll get to that. He's doing, he's not writing like a security officer's log or anything or that cliche. He's actually writing home for uh, the new year, I'm guessing, because he is thanking them for a Christmas video, his parents for a Christmas video that he sent, which is interesting. So, you know, we have Christmas in the alternate timeline, too. We've got a mention in uh, Dagger in the Mind of, of Kirk going to a Christmas party. And here we've got Hendorf uh, getting a Christmas video from his parents. Yeah. I mean, it, it always sort of made sense to me that Christmas would still be a thing that exists. Because, I mean, even, even if religion is gone in the 23rd century, you know, which seems to be the Star Trek hypothesis, uh, you know, Christmas is a non-religious holiday these days i celebrate it, christmas it's my favorite holiday and I, I don't <laughs> i don't believe in that <laughs> so yeah it makes sense also that it exists. yeah also he comments on a uh his labrador and how it's fat so labradors exist in the future oh that's good too that's good too <laughs> yeah we've not bred them out of existence it doesn't really that's make one fat labradoodle <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't really make sense that thanksgiving still exists though you know there is Thanksgiving yeah. in that that one episode of TOS. I mean, maybe it's like. I mean, I guess they're maybe, all American okay. anyway, right? Well, no, hold on. Here we go. So, the Vulcans came. Maybe it's a Vulcan Thanksgiving. The Vulcans came to Earth, and we gave them corn. Okay. No, we gave them uh, whiskey. Well, I mean, corn whiskey then. Okay. Ah, all right. Ah, there all right. we go. Cool. And so the Vulcans are thankful for the alcohol. <laughs> So now so now Thanksgiving is on April 15th or whatever. Yeah, it's well let's give it a week for them to get it back home. So it's like okay. The week after first contact day. All right. Okay. But then why wouldn't the Vulcans be celebrating? And where does the turkey come from? Well, I guess where does the turkey come from in regular exact American Thanksgiving? We decided to roll it all together. It's been 300 years. We've rolled it all together. Okay. All right. It's weird. But yeah, no, I mean, is it, I don't think that he's necessarily writing home for, for New Year's, not that this matters, but he, he does say like, sorry, it's taken me so long, but, uh, you know, yeah. it's been this, this long since I've been in range of a subspace relay or something like that. Yeah. And, and then it goes to, uh, his first conversation with Kirk after Kirk becomes captain and it's, 
there's a few pages in this in this comic that that go back and show what uh who cupcake is if you don't remember who he is there's there's a few flashbacks to 2009 and it's uh basically it's not that uh that kirk wants hindorf to apologize for punching him in the face and then you know threatening to stun him in engineering after he breaks back onto the enterprise but it's uh it's actually about kirk apologizing to hindorf yeah. And it and what I really like about it is that Hendorf speaks freely and he talks about how people have a problem with the fact that he it was all of a sudden captain. So it's not it's nice to have this other perspective because you know the main characters are all have all been promoted. And they're not going to look their gift horse in the mouth and say, "Oh, you know, why'd they promote us?" But Hendorf's like, "Oh, you know, we didn't really understand why you promoted they promoted you, but you did save the world." So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I think really what's going on here is uh, the the comic book creators are addressing the issues that a lot of fans had with the first movie and the idea that, you know, Kirk rose to uh, uh, command so very quickly. You know, that was certainly a criticism, which, you know, we, we all heard a lot back in the day. By that, I mean 2009. Um, so... <laughs> So in a lot of ways, you know, I, I think that uh, Mike Johnson, who writes the comic, kind of uh, hears that stuff and says, like, well, I've got, you know, that stuff that's never going to be dealt with in the movie. I've got, you know, a good 20 issues or so, or so in between these things where I can sort of do my best to, to clean up some of the the mess that was made by J.J. and crew. You know, yeah, and this is this issue is certainly one of those uh, where he does that. I mean, because in addition to there being the uh, the rise to command, you know, the quick rise to command, there's also the issue of Hendorf and Kirk being at odds in the first movie, which is a fun, cute little story. But then the idea that Hendorf is back in Into Darkness and they're just cool. And also it's weird now that, you know, it's a weird changed dynamic, which isn't dealt with in the movie at all. You know, I'm assuming by this point, Johnson had read the script for Into Darkness or at least knew the direction that was that they were going in. So that scene, in addition to addressing the fans concerns, also sort of lays the groundwork for uh, the scenes that have Hendorf and Kirk in them in Into Darkness, which is cool. Yeah. And then, uh, after he tells his parents about talking with Kirk, he tells his parents about Spock and how they all kind of... Spock's very standoffish because, you know, Vulcan exploded. Yeah. And then uh, how he respects Chekhov because Chekhov is a genius and uh, graduated even before Hindorf finished... Even before Hindorf got there. And uh, how Sulu used to play ball for the Phoenixes. Which ball? Best hands in Starfleet, they said. Which which sport or do you think they're talking about? I don't know. Water polo? I imagine that's because that's the only sport in the future. So are the Phoenixes, is that the, the Starfleet Academy team name? That's what I'm guessing. It's very, I don't know, it's very mythological 
No, hold on. Well, the Phoenix. Never mind. I was like, where would they get this name? Oh, from the first warp ship. I guess it kind of makes sense. Oh, the first warp ship is the Phoenix? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cochrane's ship. Yeah. So they're the Phoenixes. Okay. Maybe they've got a cool logo. Maybe we'll get Aaron to, to make us a, a Starfleet Phoenixes logo yeah. for them to sport with. That, that that sounds cool. Yeah. Do you think it's baseball? Do you think baseball hasn't been played in in the alternate universe? Um, I mean, I'm sure it still exists, but I, I don't think that it's going to be super popular. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess soccer would be the, the most likely candidate best hands in starfleet maybe he was a goalie yeah yeah i don't know yeah maybe and they don't really call it ball i'm sure it's basketball could be basketball which would be really funny because he's yeah sulu's not the tallest yeah i don't know phoenixes though that's a really weird thing to pluralize it doesn't work so well phoenix i phoenixes you know like in in index indices yeah if they if they go with phoenixes i think that uh (laughs) i think some of the other teams might have some fun with that one yeah i i imagine so uh and uh then he goes on to uhura and how uh, their old friends uh i'm not sure if they met in academy or not but you know they're good friends and she's all hugging on him and Dr. McCoy, apparently Dr. McCoy scares everybody. Well, I guess they would have met, sorry, just going back, I, I guess they would have yeah. met before the Academy, right? Because they were all shipping out together, and they knew each other then. Well, uh, if we assume, you know, it takes four years to get through the Academy. Kirk says he can do it in three. He did it in three. They may be sophomores. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. That That's my... Yeah off the off the cuff assumption but uh mccoy scares everybody <laughs> apparently because mm-hmm. he uh he doesn't have much of a bedside manner which is true in all universes yes and uh scotty they call uh hindorf calls him the highest ranking red shirt and i really like that he calls them red shirts like even in universe that that's a title and it's all one word i really like it yeah, although, I don't know, to me, it always seemed weird for him to sort of lump engineering in with that. I mean, when you're talking about red shirts, it seems like you're specifying security, you know? And I mean, well, here, here they break it up. Outside, in our universe. I guess so. But, you know, I mean, he talks about, like, the stereotypes associated with red shirts, and, and they seem to pretty clearly match fandom's uh, stereotypes. And so to sort of like say like, oh, the highest ranking red shirt. I mean, I guess it it, it works okay. You know, they do a decent job of, of sort of setting the ground rules for that here. But it I don't know. To me, it's kind of weird that he would sort of like glorify Scotty when he's in engineering, which isn't nearly as dangerous, it seems, as security. You know, they're the ones who are getting killed. And then, uh, oh, here, I just caught this. He's talking now about, uh, he's trying to clear up the cliche, the red shirt cliche with his parents. And he says, uh, I'm saying this to you guys now. It's because of what you said Mrs. Brannon told you. Yeah. I think that's a reference to Brannon Braga. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So it's about, uh, 
the rest of the episode's about the bad luck of, of being a red shirt. Yeah, and here he says, and I think this is kind of interesting, the way that they word this. He's like, I heard about her, you know, she's talking about, uh, or I'm sorry, he's talking about how um, his his mom and dad found out about, you know, Mrs. Brannon, what Mrs. Brannon told you. And then he says, I heard about her cousin's friend's kid. You know, and it's like, that's a pretty, <laughs> you know, I think maybe what they're trying to imply there is like, this isn't like a usual occurrence, you know, being a red right. shirt. It's is not, not like she lost her son. It's not common enough that they would know someone who lost. Right. Somebody. Okay. I see what you're going with that. Yeah. I, I also like these descriptions of, of the different shirts and all the hot dogs want command, grab the gold. Maybe you'll get to sit in the big chair one day. The smartest ones head to science, cool blue. Some of them say they're the reason Starfleet exists at all. Then there's us, operations. The red shirts, engineers, computer techs, security. The blood that keeps the heart of Starfleet pumping. I like that. I feel like... Because I feel in real life. Not in real life. I feel in the Star Trek fandom we do give red shirts a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. But it's it's true. They're the uh, They're the heart. They're what keeps things running. You know, sure, science is great, but how are they going to get there? They need somebody to fly them there. They need someone to, to keep the ship running to get them there and to protect them when they get out there. So, yeah, um, I mean, it, it's true, you know, and I can I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, you hear that type of thing in in uh, real life all the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's cool. And then finally, the apple starts. Which was a, apparently the other day. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, it's kind of interesting because in the episode, like, the teaser has Hendorf in it. You know, it's the one time that we say, see him on the show, and he dies instantly. Instantly. So the idea that they were like, let's tell that story is kind of cool. Um, because I'm sure what they did when they were writing the movie or whatever, where they were like, oh, well, Hendorf, he's a red shirt, we'll give him this, you know, that that's what we'll name Cupcake. And, you know, it doesn't matter because that episode takes place, you know, seven years from now or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, by then if he dies, then he dies. But we can still tell all these stories with him. But here in the comics, they're like, let's just deal with this head on, you know? Yeah. Planet doesn't seem as pretty as as it does in the apple. Yeah. Uh, it's more creepy. But uh looks like Hindorf has a sonic screwdriver and he's checking out all the local plants and stuff. But Spock goes is ordered to go over and help him and uh a giant plant, a lot bigger than the one in the apple. Yeah. Uh opens up and Hindorf kind of pushes Spock away. So Hindorf takes the brunt of all of the uh, the sticky bolts. Yeah. And I guess this is where sort of the deviation comes in that, you know, both Hendorf and Spock get shot at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. And the fact that Hendorf doesn't immediately die. No, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because, you know, McCoy in the episode comes over and he's like, he's dead, Jim. Yeah. Just immediately. Yeah. But this McCoy is able to save him, or at least keep him alive long enough to meet 
the locals, who don't have pupils for some reason, mm-hmm. or antenna, no, yeah, and are aren't as bright orange. No, that's true. <laughs> but uh, it turns out that they brought Hendorf to the village, which looks more like an elven village now, and they've managed to keep him alive and then they give him a transfusion from spock who was immune to the uh the poison or at least built up a tolerance really quickly which is the same as an episode right i'm pretty sure yeah right that's why he's able to survive it yeah Mm-hmm. and uh mccoy can't resist getting a racial jab in there I'm hoping that thanks to that hobgoblin's half-human heritage, yep. there's better than equal chance that his blood can mix with yours without killing you. Mm-hmm. So uh gives him a shot of Vulcan blood. Well, it's red. Oh, maybe it's been processed. Maybe they processed the copper out of it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that wouldn't be good for Hendorf to uh, get a bunch of copper infused Yeah, blood cells. Okay, that makes sense, I guess. So they shoot him up with it, and he passes out again, and he gets back up to the ship, and they manage to heal him completely. Yeah, and then you get a scene between, you know, Hendorf and Uhura and Spock, where, you know, Uhura's there because they're old friends or whatever, and, and Spock is basically saying, like, um, you shouldn't be thanking me for saving my life, I should be thanking you, because you jumped in front of the plant, and, you know, otherwise I'd be dead. So, you know, that's kind of cool, and I guess kind of the the whole point to this episode is to say that, you know, without the red shirts, Starfleet wouldn't work, right? Yeah. And then it ends with uh, everybody in 10 f- forward? <laughs> I, I don't, don't think know. it's 10 forward, but uh, I think it would just well, be... Well, the... if the JJ Enterprise is as big as, as it's supposed to be uh, visual effects-wise, it's uh, Deck 100 forward. Okay, all right. Because <laughs> it's four times bigger than it should be. <laughs> so it's all about the red shirts. Red shirts are sitting there, and uh, the other red shirts that were on the mission, and uh, the lightning bolt that killed the one red shirt missed. The The red shirt that stepped on an explosive rock was actually scanning for explosive rocks, and the, uh, the other one was not killed by the natives uh, because they were able to talk them down. And then another, uh, oh, this Rand, I guess. Is it Rand? Oh, judging by the, I believe that she had that beehive kind of hairdo thing before. Oh, but there's the a lot smaller of beehive. Like that. But yeah, I guess I guess it would make sense that that would be Rand because um, the the other blonde woman who's sitting with them, she was the one who was hanging out with Chekhov, right? Right. Okay. But Chekhov wasn't on the mission in this alternate universe for some reason. Yeah. So yeah, might as well be Rand. So uh, they actually like call it out. Who knows? Maybe in some alternative universe, everything happens differently. And this table's sitting empty. Yeah, which I, which is the line that really gets me. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then they find out about a yeoman who had been killed in a shuttlecraft, and so they toast to her. And Hindorf closes it up, closes up his uh, letter to his parents, putting on his red shirt and how. Uh, it's not anxiety that he feels. It's not fear. It's pride. So don't worry about me. No matter how far I fly, no matter where I go, I'll be fine. Yeah. And 
the way that he puts on the red shirt bothers me because clearly in this universe they have black <laughs> undershirts. We see Kirk run around in one for the entire movie. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He puts it on and it's like my Halloween costume with the uh, the black built in. Yeah. Which I think the actual costumes do. Unless they are taking it off for some reason. Then they separate it and put on a different one. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe it's like, uh, you know, they have the hero costumes for everybody in close up and, and the backup costumes that are, are a little bit cheaper made. Yeah. I, I wonder if that's actually canon. Uh, it could be. If the hero uniforms are actually better, that, that his uniform is actually less quality <laughs> than like, say, Scotty's. I mean, it could be, you know, they, they do do a thing, too, where certainly you change the manufacturer, you change the design, whatever, ever so slightly, but you want to maintain. I mean, for years, the, the White Sox had uh, sleeveless jerseys, and they would wear mm -hmm. black undershirts underneath, you know, kind of similar thing. And uh, originally, when they made them, the uh, black undershirt sleeves were actually sewn on to the sleeveless jersey just like this but mm -hmm. then later on they made them so that they were just like vests and you had to have to have a, an undershirt underneath so maybe um the opposite is happening here or something or he he gets one of the 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 you know older models kind of like how in next generation they had the 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 one outfit for the first two seasons but you still see people toward the end of the series yeah, wearing those uniforms. Yeah, people would always complain about that and everything like that. And and JD, who who used to be on the the Delta Quadrant, I think mm -hmm. I think it was him. He was like, you know, I was in the military, and uh, you know, military, they're government funded, uh, not exactly, you know, a, a, a huge source of of resources or whatever when it comes to things that don't matter. And when you change uniforms, when they change uniforms. It's a gradual process because they're not just going to throw out all the old crap, you know? So maybe that's what it is. Maybe originally these things were sewn in and then they were like, oh, let's separate them. I'm, I'm sure that, that Starfleet's all about recycle, reduce, reuse. Yeah, yeah. Even though they could recycle it into, you know, compact, you know, the elements that it's made out of and then yeah. reconstitute it. But although I don't know, maybe the the maybe maybe it is sort of like like what you're saying where this is the new version. I don't know. Maybe it's an in between. It doesn't make any sense because he, they they've got the undershirts in '09 and in Into Darkness, and they changed the style of the undershirts in between those movies. So maybe I'm, they I'm just did it wrong. That in the he doesn't have an undershirt. Okay, but that that's like a third variation now. <laughs> so where does yeah. that, that come in you know and he does wear the undershirt in into darkness doesn't he uh probably oh well so so that's the the heartbreaking part is that uh you know this con comic is all about being you know i'll be fine there's nothing gonna go wrong and then we see him again and in into darkness and i cheered a little i was like yay cupcake Oh, I thought you were going to say the heartbreaking part was that the uniform doesn't uh, match what's in the movie. <sighs> no. No, I wasn't going to go that far. Okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> I was coming back to the character. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of cool. 
I mean, I, I don't know how much you knew about it going into the movie or whatever, but I, I did know that he was going to be back. So before I read this comic, so I guess I didn't have that yay moment, but I see, I see how it would be there. It, it was still nice to see him, and you know he gets to shoot some with Kirk and Uhura and everybody. Yeah, but then uh, he, you never see him again. What in the movie? Yeah. Well, I mean, how much you want him to do? No, I mean like, uh, no, I mean like he, when everybody is like meeting up and Kirk is punching Khan in the face, Hindorf and that other red shirt aren't there. Oh, you think they died? Well, in the novelization, Hendorf gets bat left. Really? Yeah. So he dies there? Yeah. Okay, so he's probably dead. Yeah, that's yeah. Oh. That, that's what I'm thinking. Well that's sad. He should have gotten a death scene. Yeah, he should have. Oh well. Kirk yells Cupcake <laughs> Yeah. In slow motion, you know. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, poor Cupcake. So I guess he's not going to be in the next movie then, huh? I'm I'm guessing not. Oh, well. well. At least he got this comic. That's good. Yeah. It's a really good comic. Yeah. So Redshirt Death doesn't seem to be as prevalent in, in the comic as the primary universe. Is is the comic writer trying to say that the, the alternate universe is actually safer? Or that... that because of the Narada's incursion, people are just more careful. No, I I think what the the comic book is trying to say is that you know, red shirt death is not as prevalent as it is believed to be. You know, just in general. Yeah, all across all universes. That's the that's what I'm hoping that they're going for. I think that's what it is. Yeah, it's a dangerous job, but it's not. You know always life or death i agree yeah well it's been fun talking about red shirts today on standard orbit but that's just one of the trek topics we've been talking about on trek fm this week here's a quick look at what you may have missed elsewhere on the network previously on trek.fm standard orbit and i think it was a very anticlimactic Thing for a lot of people because they were expecting me to to do you know my raw and ranting thing but instead i just was like oh that's depressing okay bye earl gray they've now shifted into the biff controlled 1985 who got a hold of the almanac in order to turn yesterday's enterprise the enterprise c is the delorean in this scenario the orb i'd like to see the borg assimilate Ferenginar. And then they would become bankers. You know, I could see... Oh my gosh, I could see bankers. drones. Yeah, yeah. The, the world's <laughs> strictest bank ever. Right. I'm sorry, you have not paid your loan. You will be assimilated. <laughs> the nanites go into you. Yes. <laughs> to the journey! I, I, I kind of want something with a little bit more teeth. For some okay. reason, like, like starting a garden just doesn't scream mirror universe to me. <laughs> starting a garden doesn't have teeth. <laughs> The Ready Room. I hate to put it this way, but maybe in, in some strange, twisted, logical sense, if Archer just kind of flew on by and didn't help the colonists, the Enterprise D would have never crash-landed on Viridian Street. So it's not Troy's fault, it's Captain Archer's fault. Literary Treks. 
this is this is something that doesn't get done a lot in books because I don't think the time period's supposed to be that long. Mm-hmm. But what did you end up thinking about having a story take place before where no man's gone before? Well, I thought personally that it was really cool. The 602 Club. My two favorite scenes in the film are Cap saying language <laughs> and then the rest of what the jokes that go with that and then Cap moving the hammer just enough then Thor's face when he can't pick it up is priceless and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm check out these shows and get in on the daily Trek talk you'll find them on iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, SoundCloud or you can just stream from the website just visit Trek.fm slash podcast to get all the links we have a bit of feedback here from hailingfrequenciesopen.wordpress.com this gentleman compiled the best Star Trek podcasts in 2015, and we actually got ranked number four. Yeah. I mean, really, when you're behind Mission Log and Earl Grey, I think we're we're doing all right. Yeah, that's not too bad. So he says, Standard Orbit. This is Trek FM's show dedicated to Star Trek, the original series, and it's by far the best show on the topic that I've found. Thank wow, you. thanks. Hosts Drew Stewart, hey, and Mike Schindler, that's you, take take an analytical and detailed look at the show both on and off screen. They have lots of fun with special guests like blogger First Time Trek and author Preston Neal Jones most recently. If I have any criticism of Standard Orbit, is that it can be a bit dry depending on the topic. That's true. Mm-hmm. I would say it's more thought-provoking than entertaining, not that the two concepts are totally independent of one another. The same can be said of Star Trek itself. Trek is at its best when it makes us think and challenges our preconceived notions about ourselves. You know, I mean, thought-provoking, if not entertaining, it's, I mean, I can't argue with that. And, uh, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. 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 I like it. Yeah. I, I, can, I can totally see that. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have this, the, like, you know, witty banter of Earl Grey, Earl Grey. or whatever, you know. We're just I don't know. We're 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 workman like <laughs> in in our coverage of the original series. So unless we're talking about baseball. Yeah. We'll we'll try to we'll try to be uh funnier. <laughs> or more entertaining, I guess. I mean I, I, I just think we're pretty funny. You think we're pretty funny? At least. I don't know. We're okay. <laughs> Well, if you'd like to contact us and share your thoughts on today's show, you can go to trek.fm slash contact. There's a form there. Choose send a show and choose standard orbit. That'll come to both of us by email. You can also use the tab in the left-hand column of any page to send us a voicemail using webcam's microphone, which we still want one of you to do. And you can talk to us and our other listeners at our Facebook group, The Babel Conference. In social media, you'll find our Facebook page at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Mike, where could people find you out of orbit? Uh, well, you can find me right here on Trek FM doing commentary Trek Stars with Max and John. And then you can also find me on commentarytrackstars.com uh, where I do commentary Trek Stars off topic and commentary Trek Star Babies with Max and Brandon. And and just uh, in an effort to uh, to to lighten up things and maybe maybe entertain a little bit more, I have a joke. You ready for this? Oh, God. All right. So a guy walks into a bar, and I duck. That's actually my favorite joke. So all right, um, 
maybe not original, but I'm know. laughing on the inside. Okay, that's cool. And I'll, you can also find me on Twitter at Mumbles3K. Where you don't tell jokes. No, not too often. And you can find me on Twitter at 005, D-O-U-B-L-E-O-F-I-V-E, where I also do not tell jokes. <laughs> but I'll gladly talk Star Trek or Star Wars or anything really with you, so find me on there. And you can find me on various other places around the internet, uh, also under that username. We had a couple new iTunes reviews that I noticed, so I'd like to read one right now. This one's from Van D. And, and it's titled, On a Scale of 1 to 10, It is Super Great. <laughs> That's funny, right? Looking at the name, I think this is Andy. Okay, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Andy. Uh, I love listening to Mike and Drew tackle the original series, both the good and the bad, with such verve and passion. Looking forward to more. Well, thanks. Well, thank you, I assume, to be Andy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we appreciate it. So if you want to leave a review, please do so. It helps us give, uh, it helps us get uh, higher ranked. I don't know, I've been looking at the iTunes rankings, and there's some weird stuff in the top 100. Like, episodes of uh, podcasts on naruto that have one episode called test you know that that was six years ago how are they beating us yeah i remember for the longest time at least in the movie and tv section the uh live free or die hard podcast which was like basically a promotional featurette behind the scenes yeah. featurette that the studio put out that was always like in the top 10 for some reason I don't know. No one, no one understands how iTunes ranks their shows, but uh, apparently it is important. So if you could leave us some feedback or, you know, even just a, a rating, that would be good. Yeah, just throw some stars out there. You can also you can also review us and stuff on, on Spreaker and SoundCloud and stuff, too. Yeah. Well, before we go, we'd like to ask everyone to please support our sponsor, host Spring Standard Orbit to each week, and our sponsor for the show is Audible.com. Audible's a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. Audible's the premier source for audiobooks and more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of those famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive and Federation, Audible has something for everyone. Mike, what do you have for everyone? Well, I have, um, since we brought it up, the novelization for Star Trek Into Darkness. Yeah. Uh, which was written by Alan Dean Foster and narrated by Alice Eve. It's unabridged, almost nine hours long. It says, Pioneering director J.J. Abrams has delivered an explosive action thriller that takes Star Trek into darkness. <laughs> when the crew of the Enterprise is called back home, they find an oh, no. unstoppable force of no. terror from oh, within no. their own organization has detonated <laughs> the fleet and everything it stands for. <laughs> <laughs> leaving our world in a state of crisis. Uh, with a personal score to settle, Captain Kirk leads a manhunt to a war zone world to capture a one-man weapon of mass destruction. <laughs> As our heroes are propelled into an epic chess game of life and death, love will be challenged, friendships will be torn apart, and sacrifices must be made for the only family Kirk has left, his crew, and by sacrifices... They mean Hendorf. Spoilers. Yes. If you want to hear Hendorf, if you want to hear Alice Eve tell you how Hendorf died, <laughs> you can hear that for free. You can uh, hear that for free. Since you listen to Track FM. 
That's right. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial just to see how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read and the latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank Audible for supporting Standard Orbit and Trek FM. Can we just make that the, rec- the recommendation every week? Sure, yeah. Let's go for it. Let's <laughs> see. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'd also like to thank Richard Rutledge Jr. for being our associate producer. He supports us on Patreon, and you can find him on Twitter at RUT8972. And if you want to help him keep us in orbit, you can also support us on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash trekfm, you'll find a list of donation levels where you can get things like exclusive digital goodies, early access to episodes, access to our project manager, and even be listed as associate producer of our shows. You can find out where the donations can go on the site, things like covering the monthly cost of hosting and distribution, hiring an editor for our shows, and upgrading our equipment. Again, that's patreon.com slash trekfm, so check it out. Well, that was fun. We just have a few more comics that that directly tie in. Uh, I've not read all of the lead-up to Into Darkness, uh, all of those origin stories. I don't know if they're also taking on characters. Yeah, well, the next one we were going to have to probably skip because it's Keenzer, right? Right. But the one after that is the Mirror Universe one. So Yeah, I, I've not read those yet, so I'll buy them in, in preparation for that. Cool. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Have a good week and keep on trekking. It is the will of Landry. Mr. Chekhov, take us out of orbit ahead. Walk factor one. Hi, sir.